welcome to yet another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I'm Fabo, and as usual, I'm joined by an absolute baller, my good friend Arman, back home in Zurich. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thanks. Still, still uh, uh, sleeping. I don't know. The cycle is not in place yet. Yeah, you 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 took the two-hour trip on on by car um to Bern upon yourself yeah. on Sunday evening. You watched your first ever full American football game, the Super Bowl. We watched it together. Yeah. It was I had a lot of fun. I thought it was a first yeah. half was awful, second half was amazing. But tell me about your first NFL experience because you weren't so convinced before. Yeah, I wasn't. But I have to say, after a NFL one one with you and your your friend. <laughs> Uh, Yuli uh, and Henne, it uh, yeah, it made me appreciate it a bit more. Um, did you did you? And it like, was a cool guy. Yeah. Did you go from did you appreciate it more, or did you actually find yourself kind of liking the sport? It, it's it's a bit too early to say that. I, I will definitely give it uh, a go. Okay. But I can't say yet. It was a it was cool though. But it was also cool because I was with you guys and it was a very fun time, you know. When I'm on my own, maybe it's going to be a bit different. Yeah, we have to give a shout out on on the interweb for to to Yuli's um chicken tenders <laughs> yeah. and his and his pulled uh pulled pork magic um and he, henna's uh, fries. And henna's fries were really good as well. Those boys cooked as as well as Mahomes and Kelsey did in the second half. Um <laughs> Speaking of, give me give me a quick rundown. Who which which players Im- impressed you the most? Like which pl- I know you you're a sports fan and you you take inspiration from great sportsmen and and women and, and I just want to know who who impressed like who do you draw the most inspiration from from that game? Yeah, it's a bit of an obvious one, but probably Mahomes. Um, just the way he, I mean, I'm a complete, not ex- expert in that way, but. Just the way he throws the ball, it just it just looks right, in a way. Like yeah, he's a very talented, looks... like a very gifted player. Yeah, and and the way, again, I don't have a clue about football, but I think the way he decides sometimes when to go and when to throw, and what it seems like he has got it figured out. Yeah, that's for, and that was really impressive. And the way he throws the ball, like in the path of the player of the receiver, you know. Then he can run perfectly and 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 receive it perfectly. It's just, it is an an, an art in a way how he throws the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get, yeah. I get that. I would, what I would what say, would you... does that make sense? Is that a viable opinion? No, absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> and and obviously, he's he's already now. I mean, he's in his like fourth, fifth, sixth season now in the NFL. Fifth as a starter, I believe. Sixth as a starter. I'm I'm NFL fans are now shouting at me for not knowing this. Um, <laughs> And he's already now considered one of the greatest. Like he's got such natural ability, and and he's such a star. And and I've always said this, and I've said this. I said this as well on Sunday evening. Just the way they perform under pressure, the way those two guys step up, Kelsey as well towards the end. They just step up and and deliver when it matters the most. And that's always something I've admired. We speak a lot about this sort of clutch gene and and how players step up when when it really matters. And and he's one of he's got that about him as well the, the, the i think the ability is one side of it and as you said he's a very natural it comes very naturally to him just from what it looks like and and his ability to throw is very sort of instinctive from watching but it's also the mentality the the ability to be like okay i have to i have to control this now to me- to, to deliver a measured performance on under insane pressure that's what always impresses me most about these guys especially in a game where you have so much downtime and so much time to think and so much time to get into your own head, you know, where it's extra. Like sometimes I feel like on football, it's if you have a big game, you're nervous before. And then once you're on the pitch, it kind of takes care of itself almost, you know, you're just playing the game. But in American football, I can just imagine you're there on the sidelines and you're just watching the other team and you've got all these intrusive thoughts and it's it would be so easy to get complacent and they just don't, they just step up and, and deliver. Yeah, I love that. What uh, one more question, and then we'll get off the NFL. Just in general, what what impressed you the most about the sport? I mean, you kind of discovered the sport as much as 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 anything. 
what impressed you the most? Was it the athleticism? Was it the mental aspect of it? Was it, I don't know, can you pick something out? First of all, I didn't know that they, they had an offense and defense team and special team and special team for this and special team for that scenario. So, yeah, first of all, I didn't know that. And I think what impressed me the most, I mean, the athleticism for sure as well. I mean, the way they jump, the way they're agile, like the wingers. Sorry, how the, the wide receivers. The wide receivers, yeah. Yeah. Um, the number 10 from... From the Chiefs, the running back, yeah, he's really, he's really sharp. But I think what impressed me the most, like the tactical side of it, how mm -hmm. like every play has a certain, like in football, for example, yeah, there there are patterns and there are there are, uh, like tactical aspects, but sometimes the game is the game and there is a flow and this feels right, but there is like a clear plan in a way. And the defense has a clear plan, the offense has a clear plan, and it's very complicated. So I think I think that as I didn't know it was that tactical. So yeah. that probably impressed me the most. I knew they were all like uh 190 and 100 kilos, but that that aspect surprised me in a way, in a positive yeah. way. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's very intricate and and a good play call can yeah. I mean, I, I, I rewatched the last drive so many times now that like on the last play as well, just the, the way it's designed with the inside motion and then he cuts back out. So I'm sure you saw the clip that I sent. I saw that as well, as well. Yeah. Like there's these things that really, yeah, I, I it's a good answer. I appreciate that answer. I see what you mean. Yeah, for sure. Now it's a transition. I've got a, I've, I thought long and hard about what question I should ask you to kind of connect these two worlds. Um, There's only one really that came to mind actually. And I'm going to ask you this, who, who would you say in the world of football, football, soccer, as I'm never going to call it again, um, hopefully, is the most clutch player that you've ever watched play football, whether on telly or in the stadium, doesn't matter. Ooh, the most clutch player. Hmm. I mean, there's so many. Spit out some names then. I mean, Drogba comes to mind. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I was on Drogba as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ronaldo for sure as well. Cristiano. Yeah. Messi probably as well. Yeah, Messi. Ronaldo scored so many Champions League final goals and... Yeah. But he didn't really score winners, you know? Like... Yeah, but he didn't have to at most... No, he didn't have to, but but like that's if you scored think... tw twice against Juve in the final, then sorry. Yeah, yeah. Casemiro's no, of for... course, of course. I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit him, but we're com if we're comparing them, you know, that's what for me yeah. sort of brought Drogba to mind. He's scored in in so many key moments mm. in 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 the biggest of games. Yeah, yeah. He he he's definitely a shout. And then I would say Ramos as well. I yeah. think I thought he, I thought he was brilliant always in the finals. Yeah. And then against Atletico, you know, the header in the last minute yeah, where he absolutely. equalizes. Yep, agreed. So yeah. Probably there are some people who will scream at me, but No, I agree with ones. that. I, I yeah, and, and Ramos obviously also played a lot of finals, which is always an indication yeah. of of Yeah. Got that pl clutch gene to European Cup to European Championship finals. Yeah, and uncounted Champions League that, finals, and that personality as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To step up when it really matters, mm. for sure. Quality, and obviously, um, we saw that in the Super Bowl as well, which we're mm. now way beyond. Okay, let's chat just quickly about. I know we bring this up every week, but every week something bigger seems to happen with Leverkusen. Um. And we need to, we do need to chat about it because now even the English media are covering it. It was a segment on Monday Night Football where they analysed uh, Xavi Alonso's Leverkusen team. They beat Bayern. We watched this. I don't know if you watched it live, but we definitely watched the highlights together of this game. A three nil home win for Leverkusen. And I want to talk about two separate aspects of this. Number one is is Leverkusen and 
a team trying to get out of this i've we spoke last week on the on the pod about how they have this anti-clutch gene almost the the vice cousin um stigma around them that they'll always end up second and and they're trying really hard to fight this and players keep getting asked in interviews hey have you heard of this thing and and how'd you get out of it and the more i watch them the more i'm like okay i don't really see these players choking because they're so well drilled and they believe so much in what they do do you see that difference as well or am i imagining things i don't think we can judge that clutch chain yet because it hasn't gotten to it yet i mean it's february you know yeah people might say yeah but it's a Bayern munich you know it's that 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 game but it's still so far away and i think the the pressure will be on later in the in the in the in the, in the season. season yeah and the thing the one thing i mean the way they play second to none i mean the patterns you can clearly see what alonso is doing they playing so many um they make so many good decisions on the pitch and they just play with a freedom with 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 desire with passion it's it's amazing to see but everybody sees that but what i would say is and i looked at it today uh, let me get my phone out the run in from leverkusen is pretty okay for the next couple of games and then at the end they have a few tough tough games which i think they could maybe fail in a way i don't say they will but at the 30th game they have dortmund away mm -hmm. and they are fighting for champions league and maybe the game to rhythm that will be a tough game for sure uh -huh. then they have stuttgart at home uh -huh. then they have frankfurt away yeah which i think is a tough game then they have bochum away who for will me, be fighting for relegation most likely for relegation they will fight for last dortmund yeah. struggled there last year bayern struggled there last year I remember two years ago Bayern losing there four two, and it's a, I think it's one of the best atmospheres in in the in the league. Mm -hmm. But Bochum, it's also a derby so these, because they're very close to each other. They're very close together. These are four games in a row at the business end, and then they have Augsburg at uh, at home in the last game, which probably Dortmund fans will tell you it's not that easy as well. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is very key for me. When I saw that today, I was like, "You just don't. These are not. These are games you want. You, you want to have like in the season within. You know, these are very tough away games, and you don't know where you're going to be in the Europa League, and it's just all so far away. I seen it last year with Arsenal in this time of the year. Everything's perfect. We're eight points clear of City. Like, let's just keep, if we keep doing what we're doing, then it's all going to be fine." I don't think it's that easy. Injuries, Europa League, uh, cup uh, semifinals, cup finals. And then it's just a thing of Bayern Munich are playing really bad, but they're still only five points behind. Mm -hmm. You still would have liked them to have a bit of more of an advantage so that if Bayern get, go into their stride that they have a bit more of a cushion. So for me, it's still very, very tight. And the way they they are playing that well almost would like would frustrate me in a way if I would be a Leverkusen fan because the, the margin should have been much bigger. Mm -hmm. Like Bayern are getting through games. So like 1-0, 2-1, not playing well. If they start to click which in the near future I don't really see, which is good for Leverkusen. But if they start to click, I think it's very, very, very open again. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I, I think what will determine this clutch gene, that like we've said again this before, they're still unbeaten in all competitions. Yeah. And I think what will determine isn't the game that they lose, but it's the game after that first defeat. Because unless yeah. they win the treble, that Agreed, defeat yeah. is coming. And even if they like that, I don't think they're going to go unbeaten in the league. At some point, they will stumble. They will have to stumble. Injuries will start to play up. They've the the Europa League starts in in like 
three weeks for them. So it's all coming. And at some point they will they will lose. And I think what will happen after that game is going to be absolutely essential. That for me will determine it because we sit we saw this last year, right, with Bayern, which is in the end a bad example because they did just about win the league. But they had that period at the beginning of, of March where they drew to Hoffenheim, who were struggling at the time. Then they lost to to Mainz. They just lost in the cup as well at the same time. So within like 10 days, and they, they also went out of the Champions League against Man City, within the space of like 10 days, their whole season went from fighting for three titles to out of the cup, out of the Champions League, and adrift in the league, which let's be real, they only won because Dortmund choked magnificently. And that there will come a time for Leverkusen where this might happen as well. They might lose their first game in the in the league and face someone like a sporting a sporting Lisbon away or a Milan away in the Europa League. And then suddenly you're under a different type of pressure, right? Suddenly your whole season, everything you've been working for is on the line. And that will determine whether or not they've got what it takes. Also, during this period, they have the the semi-final of the Cup early early April coming around. Yes, they're playing a second uh, division team, but that can almost be more annoying. And I think that sort of just the question is, how well do they bounce back from a setback? Because they haven't really had a setback. They've had X moments where they've won the game late on. They've managed to turn things around dramatically and... While I don't think that's um, sustainable, they will eventually crumble. I think the key is how do you react? That's where they'll show their true colours. And as well, the, the Europa League. Honestly, Xabi Alonso, if you're watching, I highly doubt that you are. <laughs> Get out of this fucking tournament. Get out. The only reason for being in the Europa League is to be in the Champions League, which, you're gonna, which you are going to be next season. You have the chance of writing history, big history. Get out of this tournament, honestly. Do you know what, though? He'll be thinking to himself, we can win this. This is another trophy that's within reasonable distance. You know, if they face, let's say they, let's say they face the winner of like uh, Karabakh versus Sporting Braga or some shit, or Prague against Galatasaray. I don't know, some, some random team, right? I think I just saw it last year with Arsenal. These these away games in the they are distractions. Of course they are. They are. They are like uh, they are energy sappers. And then you get the odd injury because fatigue starts to kick. Absolutely, I agree with you. But he will be thinking. If the league ghost hits up, this could be because the fans in Leverkusen, right? They're it will be a fantastic season, even with just one trophy. Yeah. So they'll be the thinking, well... League, I think it's the big one, you know. Of course, of course, you're right. You're right. The flip side of that is, and again, we're, we're mentioning them, but we are ignoring them, the memes about Eric Dyer, Harry Kane joining Bayern Munich <laughs> and, and them seemingly losing um, their subscription to the Bundesliga title after seven, after 12 years uh, in a row. Um. Thomas Müller, who I I love anyway, just for mainly for his off the pitch interviews. Um, yeah, not so much too. recently for for how he plays because he's not really played as much as he used to. But he said after the game, what he's missing right now is what they're doing. They're playing with a freedom and a, a certain um energy and a bit of a spark in training, and he doesn't see that translated into the game. And he said after the game that he missed that from his team. That sort of he said he spoke of a sparkle in his eyes, which I found such a nice way of putting it because, again, much different levels. But I I know what he means playing from in big games myself. You know, you, you know before a game and you see it during a game in your teammates' eyes, in your own, you feel it in your own, I don't know, body during a game that today you're on it or you're not on it. And Bayern just aren't at the moment and they can't seem to find that sparkle. And... It, it's a curious thing because you'd look you look at that squad and you're thinking he's one of the best in Europe and the world. And then you're also looking at the table and like, well, they're, I mean, they're also facing the probably one of the most inform and best teams in Europe as well. And they're only five points adrift. How bad is it really? So I'm asking you, how bad is it really? Yeah, I think it's just, it's not... A, it's not good 
if you're a boring watch at Bayern Munich. I mean, Bayern Munich, when I was growing up, they would just smash teams and it was exciting and it was like almost choking teams and going forward, direct, pace, skill, like flair, everything. And they're, they just play very... I mean, I watch them a lot. They're just not a good watch. They're just is, that not, a, is that they're a coaching issue? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he has had not long enough time and the problem is probably injuries as well because he never can start with the same 11. Coleman is injured. Knobri is injured. Which uh, they give a lot of pace as well. I don't know. It's just it's just not a good watch. Honestly, it's interesting... boring, and and I, you can feel it in the in the in the in the crowd as well. Like it's yeah. just it's gone Yeah, the the passes are so predictable, and there is no there's no change of pace. The only spark I see is is Musiala and Sonny when they are linking up then sometimes there's something magical. They play some one-twos. Other than that, really flat. Really yeah. flat. If they wouldn't have Harry Kane to finish them the dinner sometimes, <laughs> I don't know the, where they would be in the Bundesliga right now. I'm not a fan of Tuchel, and I know you, you aren't either, especially from a personal, like from a, on a human point of view. But he said something quite interesting at that in the press conference when he was asked about, you know, tactics and switching to a back three for the Leverkusen game. And he said, well, we knew Leverkusen was strong with those like sort of driven crosses to the second post, right? And and what he tried to do with switching to this formation is to make sure that they have an extra man on that second post. So he put the new signing Bowie boy i don't even know how to pronounce it on that left yeah. wing back position which looking at it right before the game i can see that makes complete sense and then the first goal where andrich just whips the ball across goal and stanisher finishes it at the second boat post is exactly why tuchel put an extra guy in there to prevent those sort of goals so as a coach you're like well I can't really do much more than tell the, my team what to do and set them up tactically for exactly that because I see how adding an extra man helps. And in fact, Bowie was in a decent position. If he had stayed switched on, he would have defended that easily because, again, they there was basically two guys marking one oncoming attacker, but they still switched off. So the question becomes... Do we blame the players for not doing as Tuchel said, or is it then up to Tuchel to not only implement his tactics but also make sure he fields a team that is fully focused and switched on? Where do you put the the responsibility for that? Yeah, it's tough. I think I think bit of both, maybe. You know, Bowie, he's probably he's two weeks at Bayern, like. And he's young. He's gonna make mistakes. Like that, he makes a mistake in such a big game. I feel kind of sorry for him. And he didn't play well. And it wasn't his position. He's right-footed, and it didn't match. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I kind of see why because he's very fast and athletic. And going up against Tella and and Frink Pong, he would have, he would, he could defend better as like Guerrero, for example. So I saw I saw what he was doing and 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 actually I have to say I like the I think I like the setup I think it was working well in the first 10 15 minutes but then the goal went in and all of a sudden the trust was gone Leverkusen were playing very well as well I think you have to just give them a lot of credit but I think the the I think the setup was okay I thought it I don't didn't think it was that bad. I think the setup was okay. It gave them a lot of stability in their in their build up play. They could um they could rotate better also. And I like I like the setup, but yeah, if you if you're gonna if you lose three 0 you it's never gonna be uh everything um positive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, an interesting one there where we both kind of in agreement that the coach isn't necessarily at fault. No. And yet still there's. 
there's clearly something wrong with with yeah. Bayern. And, and, One thing with Bayern, if you look at the past, the coaches who did well, Flick, Heinkes, you wouldn't consider them like tactical geniuses. They just, if you if you look at the both at those teams, and I watched a prime documentary on the treble team and from 2013 and on the, the documentary about them um, on the Hansi Flick mm-hmm. and you could just feel they are very good in German we say like moderator I don't know what is the English moderators like, yeah moderator like yeah. they just that everybody feels involved everybody gets minutes that the tactic you don't need to tell Harry Kane how to score yeah, there are certain principles of play. We're going to press high. We're going to chase after teams. We're going to play, play direct. Of course, there is, and there are knowledgeable coaches, but the human side of it was more important because when I watch those, watch the interviews of the players and they just all say the dressing room was absolutely firing. We were, go, we were like going to lunch with all the people all the time, going to dinner. I think you just have to... I have to build a good atmosphere, you know. Yeah. Especially at Bayern, with all you see that uh, at at Real with Ancelotti, the players are doing everything together. They are like they're so the bond is really, really strong. And that was Bellingham said as well. And Alaba, when they go when they went to Real, they thought, oh, Real, big stars, big egos. I'm gonna maybe feel a bit alone. And they just said that it's just a big, big family, you know. And they were just welcomed in. And I think I don't say I'm not saying like Tuchel is is a bad human being in the but I'm just saying at Bayern Munich, it seems to be the way that you just have to create this environment for them. And yeah, maybe maybe um that aspect isn't at the optimal level at the moment at, at Bayern, you know. I would probably draw an extra line under that and say that's probably not just true for Bayern Munich. I would say most of yeah. the best managers in the world have that as one of their main qualities. Yeah. And I also think that has probably changed over the past, let's say, 15 years with generations changing and, and sort of the, 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 the expectations of players towards a manager changing. You know, like the stories you hear from maybe late 90s, early 2000s, that sort of generation, they wouldn't have said these things. They were much more like, you just get the job done. You don't need to be friends with your teammates. You just need to have each other's back on the pitch and all that. And I think now the feel-good factor plays a much, much bigger role in players' mindsets as well in, in a changing room. And that I, I also believe that that's one of the reasons why coaches like Klopp or Arteta or, I don't know, the, that sort of... Um, type of very energetic very close to their players um type of coaches are really successful because they create that exact environment that you mentioned you know that people feel involved they feel part of it all they feel part of the bigger picture and and i would probably say it's one of the key aspects of any leader and definitely in in world football as well and maybe tuchel isn't or right, right now he isn't finding the right way to to make everything glued together and, and gel together. That is absolutely possible. Whereas vice versa, you get that exact um, kind of feeling from the Leverkusen um, changing room, you know, like I, after the game, you see like, well, obviously it's hard to judge because they've just won a game and it's all fun and games, but you see like Jaka joking with Frimpong at the end of the game, just the two of them have it like chatting, laughing their heads off. And th- from the outside, you wouldn't necessarily think Chaka and Jeremy Frimpong would be mates, but it probably just kind of, I might be over-interpreting this, of yeah. course, but but I think yeah. what we're seeing is a result of, of Xabi Alonso creating that exact environment, you know, rotating people out. He didn't even start Frimpong for the Bayern game, you know, one of their best players all season dropped Schick and Borja Iglesias for the for the game as well to to play Adli up top. So yeah, I'm sure he manages to make everyone feel part of it. And yeah, it it so far he's it, it's paying its dividends. Yeah. Definitely a key aspect of of management and, and coaching in football at the moment. Speaking of coaching and 
football at the moment. Uh, you're you're scared of of Spurs at the as I as I know as we've discussed previously as well. So we're not going to talk too much about them, especially after their last uh, win. But I do want to instead speak about Manchester United, who who landed a huge win against Aston Villa, and it seems to really show how how big a difference it makes if your key players, if your spine is fit again. Maguire, Varane, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, and Hoyland starting to click up top with Rashford helping out on the wing. Yes, Martinez is injured again, but other than that, United are looking like the United of last season again in many ways. Are United fans foolish to start believing in top four again? Hmm. Um... This year, it looks like it's going to be top five, which I think they have a fair sh- chance, you know. I think they have a, they have a good chance. Um, and when I when I um, I didn't watch the game, I was, I was driving to your place. But when I saw the last, I think, 30 minutes, was it, and the match of the day, and I saw the lineup and I thought, that is that is a proper team, you know. that That is a proper team and that is a proper defense and that is a... a a solid foundation, you know. Yeah, a well balanced team. Yeah, I think so, and and that just shows that um, you just can't you can't get in the top four without your top key guys. It's just it's just not possible. And I know people will say, "Yeah, well, excuse as well." Yeah, it is excuse. I mean, this there are your best players, and they need to stay fit when you want to achieve big things. So yeah, I, I never be, never been a the biggest critic of Man United. Uh, so, and in this game, I thought they could have easily conceded two or three goals more, if we are being honest. Mm-hmm. But you still have to, you still have to take advantage of that, and you still have to score, and you still have to to uh, defend your your goal, which they did very well in the last fifteen to, to twenty minutes. So yeah. Big win. It, you always need a bit of luck uh, when you go to place like that. And credit to them. I think they they managed they managed this game really well. The flip side of that game was Aston Villa, who seem to be they're not strump strump. They're, they're not they've not fallen, of course, but they're struggling a little bit. They're becoming a bit inconsistent. They've now have their third player out with an ACL, Kamara being the latest one, who I anticipate will be a massive loss to them. They have Europa League still to come. You a bit worried about them? Yeah, worried. Like, what is worried? I mean, they... It depends on what is their target, you know. If their target is top seven, then I'm not worried. If their target is top five, then I'm, I'm worried. So... Yeah, the I think Pau Torres and, and Esri Conza is, is injured as well. So these are key, key defenders, in my opinion, for them. So yeah, as I said with United, you just need your players. And everybody's having injuries, but like key, key centre-backs is always different, you know. So yeah, I am worried. And they just seem to lost that a bit of fluidity. As well with Kamara out, which gives them a solid base and and protects Diaby yeah. and Bailey. It, it's that balance again, isn't it? Yeah, it it's just, that balance, it, yeah. and it protects them to to have license just to to run at players. And I thought Bailey was brilliant again. I didn't yeah. know why he took him off. I don't know what's what's the reason there. So and, yeah, uh, he yeah. said it was tactical after the game. They asked him about it. Yeah. Yeah, when he left the maybe, spark, maybe left. I don't have enough knowledge to. to <laughs> to to see yeah. what he what he did there, but I didn't get that at all, to be honest. Out of the next uh, six games, yeah. they play Fulham, Nottingham Forest, Luton Town, West Ham, and Wolves. So those are five games out of the next six that you'd expect them to get. Yeah, definitely in the in the first half of the season, if that if that's the form they're in, they're getting you know fifteen yeah. points from those five games. But uh, so hopefully for them, hopefully they'll um they'll manage to. To recreate some of that spark, but uh, I'll be keeping a keen eye on that midfield without Kamara. We'll see what, see yeah. what happens there. It's Interesting. And obviously, wish him well in a speedy recovery. Um, just one last word because I know it depresses you, but I 
before we switch to Arsenal's win against West Ham, one one a couple of words on on the Kevin De Bruyne and, and Haaland combination. You mean the that pass? The the pass, but also just City flexing their muscles again, be having their best player back now, De Bruyne. I kind of almost forgot a little bit about him and how much he brings to that team because I was so enjoying sort of the impact Foden and, and Alvarez had and, and the way they have adapted without Kevin De Bruyne and Haaland in the last two months. And now he's back. I'm kind of reminded of, oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's how good he is, of course. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And Everton, that uh, it's always a bit tricky for them. Mm -hmm. So I think it was very important that Haaland got that, that opener, which opened up things for them. Because in the first half they were they were poor, um, mm -hmm. and they struggled. Everton defended really well and they pressed really well. They pressed really high, which you didn't expect for them. Um, so massive credit, I think, to Everton. I think they played a really good game up to that point. And then Holland on the break. I don't think there's many teams in Europe who can stop that. I think, I, to be honest, I, I watch a lot of uh, listen to a lot of podcasts and analysis, Sky Sports. Everybody wanking off about the pass. It's a basic movement and a pass in the space. I mean, just because it's De Bruyne and Holland, like, give me a break. Honestly, it's it's a basic movement and a basic pass. It's the 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 way he uh, fought off uh, Braithwaite was impressive, but the pass and the movement, honestly, Roy Keane would say that's their job. It's basic. Yeah, what a moment to end. <laughs> we'll take a break and be right back. And we're back to discuss Arsenal. And uh, I'm surprised not to see a grin on your face. Ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> a big win for the Arsenal away at West Ham. Further proof of uh, how and why I need to keep Saka in my fantasy Premier League team. Further proof that Arsenal have overcome their slump. And further proof that they're still very much a force to be reckoned with in the Prem. And at the same time, you texted me after the game, during the game even, and you were almost bored because halftime, 4-0 up, it, it was just kind of... We discussed sure, briefly afterwards that it's almost nicer to win with dramatic last-minute 1-0 off the back of the goalkeeper and the inside of the post. Yeah. No, it was, um, was a very mature performance. And I know this sounds like a bit uh, snobbish, but sometimes I still miss a bit of our spark from last year like the fluidity is still not top I mean it's ridiculous that I'm starting with a negative about this game sorry Arsenal fans but I think most Arsenal fans know what I mean it's just that feel which West Ham didn't didn't ask that from us because we were just it was enough in a way and I think West Ham were just really poor no no desire no passion no no real like when you don't when you don't go two v one against Saka, then he's gonna cause problems. If you don't, um, if you leave Odegaard so much space and time on the ball to to play those through balls, then it's you're gonna cause problems. Uh, what I thought it was really interesting, and I want to hear your thoughts as well on the system that we played because when we pressed, we pressed with like Trossard and Havertz two up front and then four as Saka, Martinelli, Rice and Odegaard, which I thought is really interesting. So first of all, the press worked really well. And then when we had the ball, Trossard went in this false nine position, which then in, in a way was my feeling. The two centre-backs were alone for the most of the time. And then they pushed up and they pushed up. Trossard sees Saka in behind. He has so much space and penalty. Like it was really interesting to see that. And then when he got in that position, Trossard, he is probably our most natural finisher at the club, like left foot, right foot. So I thought it was a really 
I think it was a real masterclass of Arteta against West Ham. And at the back, especially, like when I speak about fluidity up top from last year, we are so much better at the back than last year. Like when I see Saliba and Gabriel playing out of the back and even when they have a counter-attack against us, I just feel much more... I don't wouldn't say secure because you always face brilliant quality in the Premier League, but they're just, they're very controlled. They don't, they're not, they never get a rush. They always play out of the bag, even when it's a bit uncomfortable. I think they're without doubt the best, I said this from the start of the Premier League, the best pairing ship, pairing ship? Partnership. Pairing, partnership, <laughs> pairing ship. You it's said late. that just to make sure I'm still listening. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's a bit of a long one. It's all good. Um, yeah, it's just, and with Ben White in there, it's just, it feels really like chest out in a way, like confidence. They they have that aura about them, even though they didn't win anything yet. It just seems very experienced and calm, you know? Even like a place like Anfield, you know, how they, how they weathered the storm. So at the back, I'm really, really happy and really confident. It's just, can we, when we arrive in the box, can we finish the dinner? Yeah. I I think overall, Arteta is doing really well with the, you spoke first about the system and I think that's what you wanted my thoughts on. And, and I didn't see all the game live. I was at the zoo actually, which was a nice change of pace. But I watched MOTD, which had an extensive highlight show. I think it was about 20 minutes of, of recap for that game. And and from what I saw, that at times it was almost sort of a a 3-2-5 formation from Arsenal, where you have a front five almost on the same line, more or less, with the two um, well, number eights, quote-unquote, with Havertz and, and Odegaard kind of pushing up into that front three, um, which almost ended up, as, as I said, as a five, um, which kind of countered West Ham's 4-3-3 defensively completely and, and they were just all over the place. But with with what you said, with Trossard sneaking back in and and kind of leaving the space for, for Saka and, and Martinelli on the on the wings, Saka obviously much, much more so than Martinelli. It reminded me a little bit of, of what Klopp used to do with Firmino dropping in and, and then Salah on the right, similarly to Saka to do that. So I think he's finding a very smart way of utilizing his players in their best positions, um, which is always a, 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 a sign of a strong manager, of a, of a manager who knows what he's doing. And and that was very good to see. I also agree with you, the defensive stability look it looks to be there. As you said, also, the, the, you know, in the Premier, you're going to concede goals, but I know what you mean. I think that partnership is is now a, a very well established one i think as a partnership they're probably the best in the in the in the prem at the moment the 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 other thing that i would take sort of um not solace from but but encouragement from maybe is the right word is that you this year you're chasing you're not the chased you're not your chasers yeah. and not the chases. And, and I, I somehow think this young team will do better as chasers. You know, we spoke a lot on this pod about the clutch gene and, and you need it much. You're more under much less pressure or a different type of pressure. If the games are not that that's focused on by the public. Exactly. You're not exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're not that talk of everybody. You're not that whole. Yeah. Can they won't they will they won't they sort of thing. It's like. Guys, we just need to win our games. Everything else is not in our control. You know, it's not, it's not, you, you have much less, yeah, the focus is much less on you. And yeah. the other thing that I was thinking is, obviously 6-0 six, six was maybe a bit much considering that three goals came off of set pieces. And and as you said before, it's not as fluid as it could be, but it, it does look like they're hitting their stride at a time where last season we were kind of almost waiting for them to, kind of fall off a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's also a sign of 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 forward development for Arsenal this year. You know, that that they've managed to kind of keep the pace without playing too well, without yet like going all in. 
And now, you know, we've turned the corner. We're we're looking not yet. We're not yet in it, but the games are coming thick and fast now. We're looking towards the tail end of the season. And now they're starting to really cook. Maybe those are positive signs. I don't know. One question I did want to ask you. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I wonder what your thoughts are on, like, we owe the the, the set pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it is a huge plus for us. We mm-hmm. get out of, out of jail a lot. Mm-hmm. But there is like, I heard some criticism where it's like, yeah, but they they rely on their set pieces too much. And I just disagree with that because I think it's just another way of scoring. If you're a coach, you just need to create very much, I don't know, many things, many ways to score in a way, many different types of areas to score. And I just think it's a huge plus. I don't know what's your opinion on it, but people say it's not sustainable, I think, but it's just, it's just a good weapon to have in a way. My thoughts on this are, are quite simple. I think if we forget for a second that goal Alvarez scored where De Bruyne passes him the ball from that free kick the other week, I don't even remember who it was against. Fucking hell. My short-term memory is awful. But De Bruyne played that pass from a free kick into Alvarez who slots it in the far corner. You'll know what I mean if you if you saw it. Forget that moment for a second. Arsenal is the only team in the league where I can tell they have a set-piece coach who they actually listen to. I remember so well when United signed their set-piece coach and then they go like 50-something games without scoring from a corner. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck? How is that even possible? Like, what? what is... Literally, what is the point? If you have one person... And we spoke... Again, American football are the parallels here, right? They have a coach for everything. They have a specific coach for set-pieces and you want to tell me that in 50 games they can't score from a corner. Nah, man, that's that's poor. That's fucking awful. Look at any World Cup. Look at any big tournament. Look at any big teams. Look at Real Madrid in the Champions Leagues when they won them. We spoke about Ramos's goal in the 90th minute against Atletico. Set pieces are so important. They're so fucking important. And if you master them, that's a sign of a really fucking good team. Of a, In fact, of a clutch team, I would say. Because in the big moments... A set piece can win you trophies. It's as simple as that. I think back at Puyol's header. I think back at Hummel's header in semifinals and quarterfinals of World Cups. Again, Ramos in Champions League finals. The list goes on. They're so important. There is no... For me, there's no shame in being reliant on your set pieces. In fact, I would say it's it's something to be proud of because it means you've done your homework on the training pitch. It means you've worked hard. You've taken it very seriously. If you have a set piece coach who you listen to, who you do, who you'll like respect, who you allow to do his job or her job, then you'll get what Arsenal are getting now. They're putting rice on the, on the corner suddenly. And in one game, they score three of, off of set pieces. It's been, exactly. It's been, thought of it's been rehearsed it's been talked about it's been something happened there you know and i spoke again i'm I'm going on here on a rant because i feel so passionately about this but i spoke so often about playing hope football you know and teams united are very very um guilty of this they play three corners long the next one short not really sure where they want to put the ball sometimes they line up on the edge of the box sometimes they line up on the second post do the players know where the opponent is weak on corners I don't know do they have a a player who can consistently whip them in maybe it's all so random and it's it shouldn't be random because you can it's something that's so easily practicable and and rehearsable and work honorable you know and with Arsenal, you can see that the homework has been done. And mm-hmm. I respect that so much. I I have so much respect for that. I think I think it's it's actually crazy that not more teams um are yeah. are, are doing this. So And it can can get you out of the jail at any 100%. point in the, in the in the game, you know, even when 100%. you don't 
even when you're playing badly, you know, you can rely on a good set piece and and the way Rice is 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 putting those balls in, I mean, poof. yeah, yeah, of I course, go. you 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 need, and you still need the quality, but but of course, yeah, think think back of big title winning goals, and you'll come to realize that a much bigger percentage than you think comes down or came down to set pieces. I, I've already mentioned a few earlier, but the more you you think about it, the more you realize actually set set plays are fucking crucial to to title winning teams. It's not just the Evertons of the world and the teams fighting for relegation that put it in the mixer and, and hope that their big lad will, will knock one in. No, no, no. It's it's crucial. So yeah, I big respect for, for set plays. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, and we're already going long on this Arsenal thing, so I want to wrap it up, but maybe to end... I enjoy on... it. I know you do. <laughs> but... We also, I also want to quickly talk about the Champions League, but quick, quickly to end on. 24 game weeks in, who's Arsenal's player of the season? Saliba. That simple? Yeah, I think... I think it's just so detrimental. It's Saliba or Gabriel. I thought Gabriel is... Saliba is just a bit better in my eyes. Just the way... He he commands. He just wins every duel. He honestly, he just wins every fucking duel. It's crazy. That the composure playing out of the back, which is really important for us. The the the, the physical presence in there. I think he's just he's just been the best, and I think he's the best defender, the best center backs, center back in the league on form at the moment, which a lot of Liverpool fans will disagree. But honestly, I. I think I think it's true, and um, yeah, he's been he's been just class. He's just a Rolls Royce of a defender. He can he can uh, also take on a player. It's not good for for the nerves for me, but sometimes he can get out to chill with that. He just seems like he he's thirty years old, and I, I'm a I love him honestly. I love him. Fair enough. That's an, a question answered. Let's just quickly turn our attention to the Champions League. It started back up again tonight. Man City and uh, Real Madrid playing the first legs of their games. Both of them winning. Both of them away from home. No surprises there. I reckon both Leipzig and Copenhagen played well, but not well enough to beat them. Looking at the Champions League, Ross, there's a few ties that I'm excited for. Probably the only one I'm really like, I've really got an eye on is the Arsenal one. All the others are like, do I want to watch Bayern Munich against Lazio? Do I want to watch uh, Real Sociedad against Paris Saint-Germain? Do I want to watch Atletico versus Inter? Like, no. Um, just quickly, speak to me about, about the Champions League as a competition, about whether Arsenal can go all the way, about who you see as a favourite. Is there even a clear favourite? Man City probably just the favourite by default, by being so good? Yeah, mm, I won't say by default. I think they're just the best team, I think. And they've done it now. Rodri, when I look at this team, the spine, I so often speak of the spine, you know. Diaz, Rodri, De Bruyne, Haaland. It's just very settled and very like Guardiola. And the way they play, so so comfortable. Physical presence, now for me, they're still the clear favorite. I don't see any uh, Bayern are not that uh, moving are not uh, at their best. Real have a lot of injuries. Like Courtois, for me, is massive for them, and he's out. Arsenal not been there, uh, no experience in the Champions League. For me, they're the clear favorites. I almost would say fifty percent is going to be them. I don't really see. I I do the the Opta title predictor gave thirteen percent to Inter and then I thought yeah why not they have experience they've been there they have they were very they're very good on form so why not um I think it was like six or seven percent to Arsenal so yeah let's yeah. see I'm 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 hyped I I think I like that they're the the round of 16 are not like massive games because I think the next round will be and and the semifinals will all be bangers you know so yeah I'm, I'm, I like I always like it when it's when it's shaped like this 
Yeah, I, I hear you. I I think Inter is a very good shout. Maybe we should spend a bit more time on them. It's such a shame they play in such an unattractive league. I mean, they had the massive, yeah. massive game uh, last week, Inter versus Juventus. And, you know, Derby d'Italia, huge game, Sunday evening in in the in the um, San Siro, I believe it was. And then the game gets decided by an own goal. Both teams are playing such, like, timid football not really free tactically you can't even say like you know it, it i don't know it's just it just doesn't do anything it just doesn't do it for me when you're used to the prem and then you see a top game like this it's it's a bit of a shame but in europe they have experience they have the quality they went all the way to the final last year they do have some ballers in there there's no denying that yeah it'd be interesting to see where the what what happens with the with the draw in the Champions League, which obviously always where, plays a huge role? Where do you see, or let's say, rank your favorites from one to to four? Let's say uh, Bayern, Real, City, and Arsenal. Bayern, Real, City. Out of those four, yeah. Where, where, how or, or let's put Inter in this. Like, where um, do you rank their chances for for, for champion? I mean, again, so much depends on the draw, of course. But yeah. for sure, City are top. I don't. I I think by default, I don't because I mainly don't see who can beat them. So yeah. City would be top. I do think if it comes to it, Real Madrid will have the clutch gene to beat Inter. So I probably rank them just above Inter. Inter probably third. Arsenal fourth, even though quality wise, I probably should be higher. Um, then Bayern, and then, you know sort of the PSGs, the the Barcelonas, the Atleticos, yeah. the Dortmunds of the world come in. Yeah. And everyone else like PSV, Napoli, Porto, Copenhagen, Leipzig, Lazio, Sociedad. I mean, those are they're in there for for the names, but they're not in there for for any sort of semi-final um ambitions in my in my eyes. I think a lot of about Arsenal's title chance in the in the Champions League, a lot of it depends on that Porto away game. Because even 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 if we would have if we would get like I don't know we would do a bad performance there and win at the Emirates and go through you still have that would be that 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 bad feeling from the from the first game and then when you go to to Munich or to Madrid I think then it's gonna be tough so I think that that Porto game away is very important. Because yeah. it's funny. European man, nights are different. Yeah, they're just different. They're yeah, different it's funny. Different. I I just come kind of again with going out of the FA Cup as well. I just feel like for this, this probably never would be spoken about or, or considered. But I just from the outside feel like for Arsenal, the focus is still so on the Prem. They're still trying to figure yeah. out if this is a team that can challenge for the Premier League or if it's a team that will consistently get top four and then maybe can start paying more attention to the Champions League. This year, they, it feels like they could easily go out against Porto and it wouldn't be that big of a deal because now you've got a young team that's got a, a, a Champions League season under their belt. They've been there. They've had those nights. They know what it's like to play in Europe as well in midweek. They've also got like the subscription now by the looks of it. Then I don't expect Arsenal to qualify for Europe for the next, for the foreseeable at least. But for now, it just feels like it's kind of almost a... a a, a, not a priority yeah. it feels like the league is still much more important they still want to figure out what 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 are we in the league and in the champions league it's about just picking up those grains of of yeah, experience just, just let's see where where we end up exactly just get yeah, get, the, get the things under your belt but if it if they had to choose like if if they let's say they have a title decider in 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 the prem and a, a followed by a i don't know a, a return game in the champions league they play the better squad in the prem. I think they that's where the focus would be. Just um, it just feels like that. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think at this stage probably not anymore. We'll see. But let's see. We don't have we don't really have the squad to to Yeah, that's the other thing. You can't you can't play like Reese Nelson against Porto. Uh, uh, not disrespect, but yeah. No 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 I get what you mean. My friend, that's all we have time for. I thank you as always, not just for for driving to Bern, just for <laughs> some chicken and and some American football, but also for your inputs, for your insight, for continuing to do this with me. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the two of us. We're open for application, by the way. 
if anyone listening out there would like to become a more permanent member of <laughs> this poddy and is as much of a football nerd as Alman and I am, please let us know. We're happy for uh, people to join and, and chat. Um, we're always we're always looking for a third person because the conversations to become become more intricate and and give an extra brain to to shut us up and and say something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for now, thank you very much. Thank you also for listening and uh, ciao for now. That's all.